Thank you, Jesus. 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 Setting him in Kori Tavino of Sunday. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our Father, we thank you this evening. Thank you for um, your blessing us. Thank you for um, this topic of um, sanctification. Thank you because you have um, you have taken us through the word. We've seen what your word has to say concerning, not exhaustive, but Lord, you have um, given us the landmarks in the scriptures. Lord, that defines you know, your thought, your heart towards this towards this subject. Father, what we know that is not of him that wills or runs, Lord, means our our intentions concerning it are not enough. It's of you who shows mercy. Lord, we pray that you will bring us, you steer our heart, Lord, into the place of mercy, provision of mercy, Lord, to bring about these things, Lord, as we fellowship, Father, today, Kelibe Kandeli Posune. Etalias offretes the capalon, this yana barona, afraseta caluhavan of fresto, fresto, presto, a fresto. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. As we fellowship, Father, Lord, Fanesto, Etanaha Soria, I pray, Lord, let our conversation, let it be, let it, let it be, Lord, let it have an effectiveness, Lord. Steer it, direct it, lead it to God. Now help us to to touch the core, Lord, of of the needs, Lord, in our our heart, in our soul. I pray, Lord, for meekness, meekness, weakness, brokenness, vulnerability, Lord, the uh, the right the right heart, Lord, that will make us, Lord, able and it is to to Lord receive help from you for and and to we need help Lord I pray that help help for for Lord this for this this thing I pray you will bring it to us thank you our father thank you our father thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Father we give you all the praise this evening in Jesus' name, we pray. <clears throat> Amen. Glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh my God. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I feel the presence of God so strongly here, and I have a. I have a strong sense that the Lord is um, the Lord. There are some of us who are the Lord has a key blessing for <coughs> some of us who are online online today. So, um, please just do your best to flow to flow with us <coughs> as much as you can and, and recording in progress connected here. Yeah. So, 
our discussion. Praise God. Um, good evening to everyone. So I want to start by um, giving honor to whom honor is due, as the Bible says, um, that they are worthy of double honor, those who minister to, uh, the word to us. So I want to acknowledge um, all our pastors, um, Pastor <clears throat> Pastor Femi, who has been miss blessing us for the last few weeks on this subject. Um, good evening, sir. Um, thank you for laboring on our behalf. I felt like this this topic was your zone. <laughs> And um, you had so much grace and utterance to, um, to deliver the message to us and with various examples and explanation. Thank you, sir. Thanks for um, blessing us. Um, I was personally so blessed by the teachings. And I know, I know most of us um, were blessed as well. Thank you, and thanks to Pastor Sessi, Pastor Bukumi. Um, thank you, sirs, for everything, for also um, the work you are doing in your different zones and uh, for laboring on our behalf and on behalf of all the brethren and the flock. And um, the Lord bless you. And thanks for being a huge support to me and to um, to the work that God is doing um, with us here. And also, I want to appreciate all our um, um, our helps, um, our wives, my wife, Pastor I say, Pastor Bimi, and um, Pastor Tuvia. Thank you, Max. Thank you for everything. Thanks for loving us and for um, standing with us and also standing as instruments of the Lord to, to carry on the work that God is doing, doing in us. And thanks to everyone else. Thanks for those who have been joining the classes. Um, a lot of us have been very, very faithful with life class. So thank you for always joining, always connecting. And I hope that this class has been doing what it's supposed to do, which is to help to solidify our foundations and um, to bring more establishment in, you know, foundational you know, doctrines. And I hope you've been blessed, and you'll continue to be to be blessed. Amen. Praise God. Okay. I don't think I've done this for a while. This, um, in, um, I guess, question and answer thing. Um, so maybe we should just jump right in as a start to see if um, anyone has a question. Um, question about 
let's let's go with just uh, the topic of sanctification from either from the manual or either maybe from your own study, your um or your own personal experience or your understanding. Just any question at all. If anyone has a question, um, please you can just raise your hand and, and I'll call you. Let me see. Okay, there's one. Emma and Wesley, okay, please go ahead. Good evening, sir. Good evening, how are you? I'm good, sir, yourself? I'm all right, thank you. So sorry, sir. I had a question. Um, I wrote down yesterday, uh, last week. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask it. Uh, so I wanted to know what the difference is, as we're talking about sanctification. I know the book is kind of on foundation, like the milk of God's work of yeah. God's word. And I wanted to know if you know, as we're teaching, you know, it felt more like. Uh, because I wanted to know if there's a difference between is there a sanctification in the milk of God's word or is it just in the meat or is there any, and we know if there is, what, what does that look like? Like sanctification, like in the milk dimension or how was, what's the posture of heart for, you know, that topic, sanctification? Is it something just, you know, Christ does? Because in a lot of what Pastor Femi was talking about, you know, really almost deliverance from, uh, worldliness really in our souls and you know the different things after we give our life to Christ there's still more you know mm. a lot of that needs to be done so I just wanted to know if that topic it's more like a a, a milk kind of or what does it look like in the milk dimension or is it just strictly meat or I just wanted to get your opinion on on that oh, okay thank you Thank you, sir. Um, okay, Pastor Femi, I don't, are you, I don't know if he's on the phone. Pastor, are you, are you on the phone, sir? I'm here, sir. Okay, sir. Yes, sir. Good evening, um, yes, sir. Maybe it's good if you can um, be answer. Okay. Yes. So um, let me repeat the question to be sure that I got it. Is there a sanctification in the milk dimension? Uh, not just meat as in leading, because a lot of emphasis was laid on uh, leading of the spirit, which was even, and that's according to the manual too, that uh, we cannot be sanctified as we are led. Um, yeah, there's a form of sanctification in the milk of the word. Uh, uh, if you check the manual, the manual is not beside me right now. Um, there was a lot of, there was a point where we dealt with um, sanctification as in from works of the flesh. Sanctification from religion in that sense. Um, especially from that realm of work of the flesh. It starts from the milk of the word. Um, there was a moment where I was talking about the place of um, 
confessing the word so we don't anytime we are in a place where we are in um a huge temptation of um being falling into a sin and um we we begin to confess the word even though we don't have the wisdom to overcome that um that 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 kind of that kind of um uh, was a temptation but the fact that we don't feed it is also a form of sanctification so um one thing about sanctification from the meat of the world which is christ in himself the revelation of the person of christ is that there's a wisdom that helps to undo the works but in the milk of the word uh one thing i will note i notice is that uh you you work might not be fully might not be undone but one thing milk teaches us is that we we don't feed flesh we whoever you can hear me Yes, we don't feed flesh. Uh, I remember when I just got born again, I didn't have the wisdom of the knowledge of the person of Christ, the wisdom of sanctification, leading of the spirit in the depth that it was, around the depth that it was written in the manual. Um, but one thing that I knew is that from Kenneth Hagin was the capacity to, to not give ourselves to flesh. And Galatians taught it from the point of view of confessing the word until the 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 drive for that sin dries up. At that point, now at, at the milk level, at the beginning of our journey, also, it might not be really really on doing the work, but one thing is that the the sin does not grow. It does not. Um, it is not. It isn't expanding. And as we are doing that, faith is increasing. Faith is increasing. Faith is increasing. And as faith is increasing, the time will come by the Lord God start launching into the wisdom and revelation. Leading of the spirit will now start detecting all those intertwining lockup of that nature. And they will start leading us against it. Then they will start undoing it gradually. So you realize the fact that there are some sins that um in the when you first got born again, you feel like, ah, Kai, I've not been doing this thing in a while. Then after you grow to a point, it now looks as if they surfaced again. Um, the reason is because um, milk of the word can train you not to feed flesh, but milk of the word uh, is not powerful enough to give you wisdom to undo the nature. So um, you will see that in the Kenetagin's book, Kenetagin's book talked about confession a lot, not feeding the flesh, um, the wisdom of um, preserving of the preserving of ourselves from um, from all those works of the flesh. So you will see that at the beginning, you might not have that wisdom, but one thing about milk of the world, especially Holy Ghost, the pleasure you get in Holy Ghost is that one of that pleasure we get from that fellowship with the Holy Ghost is that flesh is not really being fed. You might not have the wisdom to fully undo it. It might be there. The temptation will come. But you, you. then another thing about milk of the world is um, that's the realm where they teach us quick repentance too. Even though we find ourselves, we might end up finding ourselves doing it again. Um, they teach us quick repentance, not that you just stay in condemnation. You don't stay in condemnation for too long. You get yourself out of it and you begin to fellowship with God. You see, those make of the world will help us to um, quickly get out on our feet to begin our work, to begin the, the process of leading of the Spirit. So at the beginning of, of our spiritual journey, we might not really have learned wisdom because it takes unveiling or it takes opening of eyes to see the way sin has been programmed inside us. Our eyes must be open. 
But at the beginning, even if eyes is not open, the ministry of the Holy Ghost helps us not to feed flesh. I think um, that's how we go. And Pastor Jeff can help me in that area too. Thank you very much. I hope I was able to deal with something there. Thank you, sir. Amen. Um, thank you, sir. Mm, okay. Um, Ima, so uh, um, did that? Did you feel like that covered your your question? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That actually did a lot. I really was helped with that. So, if you can also add to it, I will be very okay. Um. Okay, are there, are there any particular aspects that um, that you you particularly maybe want me to? Um. So, if I can reiterate what I got from Pastor Femi was almost like yes, sir. You know, one thing the milk of the world does is that it makes you not really feed the flesh kind mm. of like starve it in a way but it yes. doesn't do with the root nature per se so i like that thing he said about in the beginning about um one thing he emphasized on in the teaching is almost like leading so yeah also, it's almost like a question is it that anytime we are in one end following leading even in the milk of god's word we mm. are also being sanctified that's the you know other side of it that you mm. know i just I don't know if that also, you know, makes sense with my understanding. I'm trying to put it all together, but what Pastor Femi said was very, very helpful. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's um maybe let's just read that um First Thessalonians chapter. Chapter 4, verse, um, okay, verse, from verse 1, First Thessalonians 4, from verse 1, please can, let's just read 1, 2, 1, just 1 to 4 first, 1 to 4. Um, someone can read for me, please. Um, let's see. Okay, Ima, can you read? Um, chap chapter 4, verse 1. Mm -hmm. For that then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Verse 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that mm -hmm. every one of you should possess, should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. And honor. Praise God. Hallelujah. The key thing here, I think from verse 1, um, um, it says, it says, as you have received of us, right, how you ought to walk 
and to please God, that so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandment we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your, your sanctification, that you should, be, you should abstain from fornication. Then it, it goes on. So I think the key thing is this aspect of, of the will of God. And it's very key, right? Um, when you're when you're thinking of sanctification, is a sanctification that comes that you that comes to you is according to the will of God, right? Um. So it means that. You can't at every point. You cannot get more sanctified than the um, specific revelation of God's will that you have right at a particular at a particular time or a particular season. Okay, so so it's clear that in the season of the milk of the world, right? You you get sanctified. The sanctification you get under the milk of the world is the sanctification that that um, specific dispensation of the word can produce, right? Um, mm. And are we all following me? Yes, um, yes sir. Okay. So it's the same thing. Um, you see the same concept in John 17. If you read John 17, okay, let's read. Quickly, where he was saying, sanctify them by thy truth. Um, Daniel, can you read for me? That John 17. Sanctify, praise God, sanctify them through thy truths, thy word is truths. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither, praise God. Yeah, that, that's fine. Um, so, so we're saying that we sanctify them through thy truth. That's verse seventeen. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So you're seeing also closely, um, closely aligning sanctification with the word, right? So sanctification through thy through the word, then, or through thy truth, because of course this sanctification by truth is sanctification at a specific level, mm. but you see at that level is also you know, tied to the word, that sanctification will only come through according to the word that has been um, given, right? So another word is synonymous with, with will, right? Because what is the word of God? The word of God is an expression of God's will, right? So, um, and it says, this is the will of God. That's... First Thessalonians 4, verse 3, that this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Okay. So the entire thing, I think based on what Pastor Femi was teaching, 
is that this sanctification is a whole program, right, that should occur throughout the journey of a Christian's life, right? But the way that they define your level of sanctification is according to the, the word of God, which you are relating with at a particular season, at a particular point um, um, in your life. So when you are under the season of the milk of the word, right, which is also a type you know, of God's word, um, that the milk of the word has its own type of sanctification, but the sanctification of the milk is tied to the the specific kind aspect of the will, which um, is being revealed at that state, at that state, right? So, if you think of a, the baby in the natural, um, a parent has a will towards their baby. So, when the baby is the parent is giving the baby milk, is expecting the baby to that milk should produce some kind of change over time in that baby to bring the baby up to a particular point, right? So the, the change that the person is going through, right, is actually what the Bible calls sanctification. So when you think of sanctification, you have to really understand sanctification like growth, right? The way you think of growing, right? That's how you also think about sanctification, right? So actually growing is sanctification, right? You can't, you can't say you are growing if you're not being sanctified, and you can't say you are being sanctified if you're not growing, right? You can, and that's why you see the sanctification is tied to the very, um, the very instrument of growth, which is God's word, right? So it's the word, the, the word is food. The food you are eating at a season, right, is responsible for the sanctification which you ought to receive at that phase of your life, right? Um, so um, I think that should answer, I think that answer your question, Zima. Does that answer it well? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, so 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 do you, would you understand? Let's say in a in a practical term, maybe how can someone? How do you think someone can know when you are when you have you have you have maybe you have gained you are very rich, or you have almost coming into fulfillment of sanctification that the milk of the word is supposed to bring to you. Maybe based on the the understanding that um, Pastor Femi gave the explanation Pastor Femi gave, and what I said, um, are there any things that come to you as maybe that that could be markers, right, of how will someone know that you have you are almost getting to a point where you are exhausting or you are finishing this sanctification, right? That the milk of the word. Um, it's meant to deliver. And is it possible? Can you know? Actually, that's the first question. Then, if it's possible to know, how what are the signs that you you, you will know that you are you are doing well in sanctification of the milk of the world? 
it might be an answer. Just try. I know you know the answer, but <laughs> <laughs> but if someone else wants to us to answer that, that particular question too, you can raise your hand as well. But imagine you can just start. Um, okay, sir. Yeah. Um, you you get my question, Shay? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I get your question, sir. Do you know why I'm asking this question? Because I feel it's good to be able to to sort of measure yourself, you know, in a way, as a Christian, um, to know to know where you are. And because if you don't know where you are, you can further fall the danger of either overestimating yourself, right? And mm -hmm. if you if you overestimate yourself, the danger of that is that you ignore the actual things you need, right? And you might be focusing more on things that are more advanced than what you need at your level, right? Mm. And that's not good because then your foundation will be shaky and you're just, you're getting up for a kind of disaster. <laughs> and oftentimes that disaster happens in a, in a very, you know, in a messy way. Yes, um, because one of the worst things is to put yourself in a in a place where um um like if you when you when you look at someone and you think they are mature or they've grown, your instinct is to give them responsibility, right? To put give them a responsibility or something they, they to do that befits their stature. Mm, but if someone hasn't the the real Maybe the actual development is not there and you give that responsibility. It's a disaster waiting to happen. Right. And the consequences usually are, are usually far reach, far, you know, affect more than just that individual. So it's good to know um your state. And also the there's also a danger also on the other extreme, which is um having grown and having benefited a lot from set a certain at a certain level, but because you're not conscious that the Lord has actually helped you so much, right? If you're not conscious of that, you can't. You might not be able to count your blessing, and also muster up appetite for something that is higher. You know that's another big problem where someone who is doing very well with, let's say, sanctification at if a baby level, right, but has done well with it, if they are not aware that. Um, there's a sense of maturity that has come and that requires you to come into a higher, you know, change your food, change your meal, you know, begin to, you know, um, exercise yourself, right? Like we see, um, if you read the book of um, um, Hebrews, right? That Hebrews chapter five, towards the end, that was where um, there was emphasis on the point of reason of use, you know, exercising your senses to discern both, both good and evil, right? And there's a challenge in that that has to be taken up. That when it comes to the will of God, or right, which is tied to sanctification, growing, that there has to be a consciousness of of graduating. At some point, you have to leave your milk and come into meat. At some point, you must, you must be able to, from meat, begin to develop appetite for strong meat. Um, of the world, so one doesn't get things stagnant in a place. So, Imam, please go ahead. Um, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Um, sir, so according to what you said and what Pastor Femi said, mm. what I'm getting to understand is um, you can get 
sanctified according to the dispensation of the will of God, of the word of God you have. So I feel, you know, one way of knowing, first of all, it's more so how, first is how rich you are in that dispensation of the word. Like, even like in the milk of the world, that's why we're really encouraged to. Okay. Really encouraged to listen a lot to Kenneth Hagin, read a lot of his books. I feel mm. like we, we are able to, like, uh, what, all these things we've been learning in life class, for example. Yes. About, about the principle, the first principles, which are like uh, faith towards God, doctrine, mm -hmm. doctrine of baptisms, uh, repentance of dead works. So those yeah. are, once we can kind of understand that with our full understanding, that's part of the things we are even getting with this class, is that with our understanding, we can kind of use that as a checker. For example, like a uh, fit towards God. You know, those, yes. those were the foundations before even moving on to, you know, the fit of Christ, fit towards yes. God. How maybe you've practiced in your own personal life, how to depend mm -hmm. on the word how to depend on God's word, how to depend on, you know, faith, depend on God for your for meeting your needs, your basic needs, you know. One would see even in their life by their bank or their riches of, um, well, I say depend, like their, um, you know, after a lot of depending on God's word, you see that, you know, it moves you into higher, um, you kind of like birth a different hunger you know, for higher things of God. So generally, I feel like to answer your question is, you know, most of the things we are learning, like repentance of dead works, you know, and mm -hmm. all those um, um, principles, how much have you practiced it in your personal life? How much have you seen, you know, a change? You know, one can kind of use that based on the riches of understanding you have to kind of judge oneself. And um, yes, to kind of see, you know, how you're doing in, you know, different, yeah, in that dispensation of the word. Okay. Um, let me just read Hebrews 5. Okay. Uh, thank you, Emma. Hebrews 5, verse 12, it says, For when for when, for the time you ought to be teachers, that you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, right? But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who, by reason of use, have their their senses exercised to to discern both good and and evil, right? Okay, so in verse thirteen says, "Everyone that uses milk, right?" Hebrews five thirteen. Everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word right of righteousness so this i think this points to what you are saying right that um you're saying that a sign that someone is still using milk 
is a lack of skill, right? Mm-hmm. In in the what he calls the word of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, someone who is a baby, baby, baby means you. If you lack skill in the word of righteousness, that's a sign that you are a baby, mm-hmm. right? If you lack skill in the word of righteousness, it's a sign that you are you are a baby. So here, he's not even saying you are skillful in righteousness, right? He's saying that you are you are unskillful in the word. So it's going back to this thing, saying the word. And I, I think I love the point you made that somehow there is you cannot separate someone's um someone's mastery handling or skillfulness with word from their actual spiritual state you know you know i think that's something that um it can get lost and i think he's gotten <laughs> lost to a huge degree even in uh christianity um where there's almost a detachment from um, that that um, the skillfulness with the word mm-hmm. from that you know sense of maturity, and I think this is one of the things that Daddy Hagen um, he really brought back. The Lord using to bring back to the body of Christ is that sense of tying thing down, things down to the word, mm-hmm. right? Tying like there's an attitude he has that no matter how nice and beautiful something seems, right? Even when the Lord Jesus comes to visit him, either in a vision or something, after the Lord just tells him things, give him instruction, he would ask the Lord, Lord, can you show this to me in the scriptures? Hmm. And then the Lord will show that. And I think that was one of the things that made him very, 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 very solid, you know, scripturally speaking, right? So um, one, so we can't we can get away from this idea of our sanctification, our growth being tied to our skillfulness, our mastery, our grasp, our understanding of the word. Oh. Right? Right. That there's no other way. Right? You can actually measure now. Um when he's saying word, of course, you can then go in deeper and say, okay, what do you mean word? Or what do you mean by word? Are you just talking about the scriptures? The, you know, just the Bible? Are you talking about, you know, precepts? <laughs> you know, are you talking about spirit or doctrine? You know, uh, based on what we've learned, we know there are different dimensions of the world. But um, to be honest, I think that um, there are two two active words here. Right, I think that's skillful, and then word. Right, so I think that word skillful here knocks off the idea that this is just talking about uh, memorizing scriptures or knowing verses of the Bible because that doesn't really involve skill. It's just memory, right? Skill involves usage in a way, some kind of you know mastery about it. Yeah, so, um, and this thing is very, very key to understand that if you don't know the Bible, like, someone can know, someone might 
know the scriptures and be skillful with the scriptures, right? But might not have come into the change which the scripture or the, and the change we know the change is the sanctification, right? Yeah. Um, like um, the way Jesus was putting it in John seventeen, he said, "Actually, what will actually sanctify them is thy truth." Right? He says, "Sanctify them through thy truth." It's really the truth that will sanctify. But he now says, "Thy word is truth." So it's clear that the word has has the ability to bring you into truth, into access to truth. But truth is that which sanctifies, right? But that, so that means that if you don't have word, then you can't say you have truth. Nobody really, right? At least um, according to this general standard, you know, the general standard, which is what we are all following, um, which the Bible is teaching us, nobody, you can't trust anyone's kind of so sanctification, so to speak, right? Or if they do not have skillfulness in the world. So what that means is that if someone comes and has some kind of behavior that looks very holy, right? Um, and you look at it and say, okay, wow, this is nice, nice Christian, nice person, but you talk to them and you don't detect skillfulness with the word. What this is trying to tell us is that more, more likely than not, really most likely than not, right? That person is not spiritual, really. That whatever they have, it could be something else. It could be their nature. It could be how they were trained by their father. It could be other, but it's not really maturity. That the standard which the Bible is laying for us is that there's no way around it that you can't have a person who is sanctified or someone who is righteous, or someone who is mature, who does not have skill in the word. Hmm. Right? So, if you are not skillful in the word, you are not a baby. That's like, the, that's the basic standard. You understand? Right? So, and this skill, um, uh, of course, skillfulness vary in degrees, right? Skillfulness vary in degrees. Um, uh, but the, the skill of the word, the skill of the word is very, very key to sanctification. I want us to really, really understand that. Um, it's, it's difficult for you to do, to accomplish something that is spiritual, right? Without, um, like what produces sanctification is truth, right? Truth is a product of grace. We also know from the Bible, right? And a grace, product of grace, product of spirit. And when the Holy Spirit wrought sanctification in you, right? That's, that is real sanctification, right? But if any kind thing that looks like sanctification has not wrought by the Spirit, all right, um, and which we can see, people, people can have, right? And the reason I'm stressing this is because um, for us, in our, in our company, we have very, we are very strong culturally, 
and and culture is an awesome thing. Culture is a beautiful thing, right? Um, mm. Culture is powerful. In culture, you have safety. In culture, one of the power of culture is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel at every single instance. Culture is a way for you to extend, um, you know, certain provisions, security, certain benefits of a way of life to others, right? Who might not necessarily have come into the substance or the like when you come into the Western world now, there's a culture here. Like you don't know, for example, why the, why the Canadians behave the way they do. You haven't read the handbook of on Canadians to go and investigate where is the source of their culture and their tradition coming from. But when you come here, everyone behaves a certain way. And if you come and you join them to behave a certain way to a degree, um, you can reap some of the benefits of uh, what that kind of life will give. But what... The, the Bible is teaching us about sanctification is that in Christianity, you cannot actually just come into Christianity by taking the culture of Christians, right? That if you try and do it that way, right, you will not be approved. It's not really sanctification because it doesn't, it doesn't involve a personal encounter with truth, You've not really encountered the truth personally. You've just come into a culture. And this is something that we all need to be aware of, beware of, because, and we all have to be able to, and this part of the wisdom of sanctification is being able to differentiate in your own life no difference between the things you are doing culturally versus the things that you are doing due to transformation. Right? And for all of us, we all have those things. There's, we have a mix of those things. Right? Some of us, we don't know what the, the right the concussion is. Some of us is 70% this, 30% that. Or some of us 50-50, some 20 30. We don't know what the math is in the spirit, right? But there are some of us who might not even have yielded ourselves to too much of even transformation. A lot of the things we do are more of just coming into the culture. Wow. This is a nice culture. These guys behave this way. They honor, they respect. There's meekness. There's you know submission. There's this and there's that. You know, and those are good things. Um, but someone can come into that and and almost like copy in a way, which is not bad because that is the beginning point, right? But there's a way that you can have that, but you haven't gone through the encounter that really that really generates such thing. Within you, you don't. You don't it does, it's not founded, right? And the Bible says, "If the foundation be destroyed, what shall the righteous do?" And what usually happens is that if you take some such a person away and just give them a few, a little bit of break, let's say one week break or two, depending on how deep the cultural grip is, if you separate them and isolate them from that cultural influence, after some time. The, those things they have been in, they've, they've copied or they are doing will go away because it's not it didn't come from transformation. Or rather, if you bring them into a different culture, what will happen is that they will begin to take on that other culture because what they have is not so. And, and also, such people are easily tossed to and fro, will easily be moved about, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing why um you can find someone. Some some souls can be stable, like around word of righteousness right now. You can have souls who are who are around here, 
and are doing everything. They are aligning well with the culture, all of that. Um, but if such a soul hasn't undergone the actual transformation, the encounter with the truth and the actual sanctification, right? You can't really tell, right? It's, it's difficult times that tell. Difficult times when maybe a contrary idea comes, or a contrary wind comes, or a contrary atmosphere comes, or somebody else who is very, very, who is very, very influential or maybe charismatic in a way, who has a different cultural, you know, approach or disposition, comes in contact with such a fellow. And then that person is suddenly knocked off out of everything that they have been doing, right? Or, or you know, because within themselves, right, there has not been an actual indi individual encounter with the truth, right? And that's mm -hmm. the only thing that brings actual transformation that goes to the depth of the conscience to bring conviction. It's an individual encounter with the truth and with the word. And so that's why the Holy Spirit and the Lord um, makes almost like mandates this process, like the process of going by the word, mm. right? The mandate is that every person, you must go by the word because that's the only way they can trust it, right? So if, for example, um, I'm interacting with someone, right? I'm sorry that I'm staying on this thing for too long. <laughs> I just don't feel to rush, you know. I just feel like maybe there are some things I should say. Um, however far we can go with, we, I don't mind. Next week we can come back here again and do this again because uh, we are not really rushing anywhere. You know, if we finish all the chapters, we'll start again from chapter one. So, um, um, what, what was I going to say now? Mm, yeah. So I was saying, let, let me give an example. Let's say, um, if um I find let's say just one of us any of us and i just look at you wow you're so maybe you're so humble you're so meek and you always you know you say yes sir every time you know you don't argue when you say do this can you help here or can you you know they are correcting you you receive it and all of that so you someone can exhibit all the you know at those attributes of meekness right mm -hmm. but if i find someone like that and i and i, and I say okay and I'll tell you, explain meekness to me, right, from the word. Scripturally, you get. And that person is not able to, from the scripture, on their own, independently, bring out the precepts, right, that construct the, the, that ornament of meekness. Right, then that's a proof to me that that person's meekness is not spiritual. And I will be 99.9% correct, correct in that in that estimation. Right? Like what I mean is that it's, it's, it is practically, generally an impossibility. In, I'm speaking in a general sense, apart from maybe some strange way. You know, God can do all kinds of things. Um, but So we don't limit God. We don't say 100%, but I'm just saying based on the general principle that if you're like you're on this call now and you, you don't have the skill to, from the scripture, bring out the doctrine, the precepts that constructs the, you know, the, that principle of meekness from the Bible with skill, from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, various scriptures, you know, interpreting each other, law and prophet, 
able to raise that with skill from the Bible. If you if you can't do that, then I am 99.9% sure that whatever meekness you have is not spiritual. That is something that you're copying culturally. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes, you know that, I'm not saying you must know all the scripture about meekness, but I'm just saying that at least you'll be able to bring out the scripture through which you encountered it spiritually. Right? The, if you were to construct the understanding, the experience of understanding, which the script, which was scripturally, the, the scriptures that came together that the Lord used to give you that aha, where you saw meekness as an, you know, in a, a, a an item of sanctification, right, that you should have, that convinced the depth of your soul that this is an aspect of the nature of Christ, right, uh -huh. spiritually. You get so that's what we are saying. Um, that, mm -hmm. uh, that the Bible is very strict around about this when it comes to the New Testament. That the way that um, they bring transformation, right? This is why um, this this also comes down to the importance of revelation, right? Revelation knowledge. And if Pastor Femi really dwelt on this, right? He really spoke about this. He talked about this. That any kind of righteousness. You were giving examples, you know of you know you know different people who have some measure or sorry some outward look of sanctification and all but it's not grounded on revelation knowledge right and that any any kind of growth stature of sanctification right that's not constructed out of out of experience of revelation that is scriptural right any such experience like that does not really anything outside that cannot produce really real transformation uh real sanctification so that's something that we ought to um we ought to really 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 take note of and it's it's an emphasis uh, even in my heart in this time i don't like in my, uh this season um for us generally right um and i feel the lord has been has been doing that um you know when the lord wants to do something sometimes he, he will start first by with a, a few the Lord can start by encountering a few at a certain level, at a certain depth, enough for and bring an alignment for them to establish a culture, right? And then once the culture is established, the Lord will feel we can have that as a safe space to bring others into uh, for the purpose of learning, right? But just coming to imbibe a culture is not all about Christianity. Christianity is all about transformation. Right, and the way they put it there is transformation by the renewing of your mind in the book of Romans, right? So I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies, right? Uh, as a living sacrifice, right? Which that holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service, and you not be conformed to the world, but that you be transformed by the that renewing um, of your mind. Praise God. So we all should take this to heart. I want to say this to everybody on the line now that um, if you've not been doing too well, right, and, and just begin to ask yourself, think about the things you believe. And that's one thing culture does, right? When a culture is established, culture is powerful. Culture itself, is, when it's, it's, if it's a spiritual culture, it is spiritual, right? But culture 
by itself is not really transformational in a spiritual sense, but rather it is it is a it has the power of of um power to to persuade to believe, right? Like if let's say there's a, a manner of life among us. There's someone who comes and sees this manner of life. Oh, I love the way you guys live. I love all of those things. Wow, the way you are, we prefer one another, the way you do this, the way you do that, and all of that. It's so beautiful. I love it. What has happened to that person is that that person has become a believer of whatever that culture is showing, right? Some, and it's, a spirit, it's still a kind of spiritual experience, right? Becoming and having a faith of, for something, belief for something being birthed in your heart. Right? That's one thing that you know that's very, very useful, right? So that person can believe in that way of life, right? They believe it, but it doesn't mean they have gained the transformation, right? For them to spiritually begin to, to express that life, right? From a spiritual point of view, that takes more than just believing. That one actually takes, you know, a transformation on the inside, right? So one of the things that what we need to evaluate all of us is that look at all the things that you believe now, right? In this path, in this waters, water of righteousness, all the things we've come to believe. And if you check, it's possible that some of us, 95% of the things we believe, we don't understand them. That's not a bad thing in itself. Right? And that's not something to make you freak out and run away. Wow, wow. I don't really, why am I believing? all these things I don't understand, no. <laughs> but it's just that you have the first step. The first step is believe it first. You, believing means you identify this thing is the right way to live. This is how we ought to live on the earth. This, this way of life is better than every other way of life I've seen. There's something right about this. Your heart connects with it. And there are some of us who might be in that place. That's where you are in. That's not a bad place. But my point is that that position alone is not solid. You're not standing on a solid ground, right? All like it needs to move you away is something else that has another persuasion that can appeal to something in your heart that is not God, that is maybe of the flesh or something in your heart that's a hidden either ambition or hidden sting that is of your own carnal nature. And the devil is a master that after some time he can bring another wind and blow, bring another conviction. And, and after a while, you can stop believing the things which you believe and believe other things because you're not really established, right? And you, are, you didn't go through the transformation, right? So, so this is a season, it's very clear. And in my mind, that this is a season of the Lord is emphasizing, you know, establishment, transformation, right? A lot of these things. And one of the things that we all, all of us need to begin to do in this season is just begin, go back and begin to examine everything that you, you believe. Look, think about the culture. Think about the things that are being emphasized. Think about the messages. Think about the things that are being said. And ask yourself, how many of these things do I really understand? Right? And then that's, that's the place where you need to put work into in your personal study time. Right? And I want to assume that we all study our Bibles um, beyond life class, life feast, um, life meeting, right? Beyond listening to the GFM, Revelation Hour, School of the Spirit, New and Living Way, um, of Seal, and all the many avenues uh, which um, the Lord is blessing us with. 
that I want to believe that we all still have um because I think this part is something that can easily get overlooked because of the nature of the ministry is very intense in terms of in re- revelational word focus that sometimes because we're not emphasizing every single day read your bible read your bible right then some of us could take that as maybe feel like reading your bible by yourself is being de-emphasized but that's not true at all like you're if you feel that way you're missing a huge chunk a vital part of the experience right right reading the scripture should be a constant thing to you Right, reading the Bible, read, going to pouring over the Scripture, just be it should be a constant in the way you pray. Right, two things that should be constant in your life is praying, you know, constantly praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, fellowshipping with the Lord, both in your quiet time when you take time away to do it, and when you're just in your normal across, you know, throughout your day, while time, you know, um, where, when there's occasion for that. Same thing with reading your Bible, your quiet time. And also from time to time during the, you know, you find that if you read your Bible for a period of time, things from the scriptures stick to you. When you walk away, they don't leave you alone. Those verses come to your mind, you know, they keep coming back. You know, that kind of relationship is like a constant thing that should actually never stop, should never end. Constantly going over the Bible from the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, all the books, the laws, then reading the prophets. You know, we can all have our own our own different way of going to the scripture, right? And um and um and the Lord has been giving me some specific things about this, which I will I will talk about later. I will let us know. But um just to know for us to know that this is a vital part. You you actually cannot exchange this aspect for anything really. Right? I if you, you listen to the most of the time when a preacher is preaching, right? Um, a, a lot of it, even though you say, wow, that message was powerful, and there was a lot of revelation in the message, most of the time when a minister is ministering under the anointing, right? It can be 90% of anointing to make you believe what he's saying. The amount of actual understanding, spiritual understanding you are getting might be 10%. Well, it depends on how mature you are. When you are getting more and more, the more mature you are getting, the amount of understanding you can actually get from a message, I mean, spiritual understanding, by just listening to a message begins to increase because you now have a lot of background. You have enough scripture knowledge. You have a lot of you know, things on ground in your heart for to gr- create context for you to, to receive understanding on the fly. You know, you're just listening to a message, understanding you, you're just having, you're going from, from light moment to light moment to light moment to light moment, you know, that moment of, you know, things coming together. And when you are, the more spiritual and the more mature you are, right, the way you are listening changes over time. But when you are just starting, or maybe you are still a baby, or you're just beginning to enter the waters of word of righteousness, someone, you can listen to a message now. Most of the blessing that comes to you in that message would just be blessing of grace that comes to your heart to believe whatever that preacher is saying, which is very key because that's the doorway. Because you will never understand something you haven't first believed. So, what, but it, sometimes we can mistake that believing, you know, that you believe everything that was said. You can believe, you can mistake that, that you understand it. Most of the time, we actually don't. To get to a point where you can understand the whole message that's taught at this level, 
it takes some degree of maturity. You get. So how do you then come into understand, actual understanding of those things which you have been convinced of by the preaching? That it, it goes back to that, your secret place, your own personal time, your own time where whether you take the message, you follow the scriptures that were being said, you go back, you read them. Most of the time when the preacher was reading that verse, connecting with the other verse, connecting with the other one, when he was doing that, it made you believe what he was saying. But it doesn't mean that you really had insight into that thought. Sometimes you take when you when you go back, you then read the word as you are reading. So much sanctification dealings are initiated from personal reading of the Bible. One thing that is impossible: someone who doesn't read their Bible cannot be sanctified. You find that someone who listens to message a lot but doesn't read their Bible will be making can be can be making glaring errors, right? They, they are doing things that are glaringly wrong, right? And it's not really occurring to them that they are, you are, this is such a thing, you should, you shouldn't, you should know easily that you shouldn't do this, but they don't have what it takes to not act in that way. It's because they haven't, the, the, the actual, the encounter with the truth, right? And one thing about truth, one thing about truth is that um, when the word can come in a non-specific way, in a generalized version, in a very scripturally, you know, sounding fashion. But truth doesn't sound like scripture. Truth is different. Truth always comes in your own native language, in the native language of your soul. Right? Truth comes in the language of your own self, in the context of a place where you are in, and a kind of response your heart, a position your heart is as taking towards something, towards an issue, you know, in a particular way. And then truth comes to talk about that thing and convince you of another way. So it doesn't, but it will come scripturally. A lot of times while you are then, you know, going over that message, you are listening, you are, you are reading that verse, just reading the background. of Sometimes maybe the, 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 the preacher quoted two verses, or three verses, link them together. But you go back, now read the whole chapter of that verse. Go to the other one, read the other chapter, see the fuller picture. When you are doing that, a lot of times that's where the Holy Spirit moves. I don't like lie to you guys. Um, this is where transformation, that that place where you know you, you read the Bible to a point where it starts talking to you. It starts like you know, you you begin to see yourself in the scripture. You begin to see yourself in the pages. You know that kind of experience. Um, uh -huh, it it comes from um, you know that intimate, a lot, a very personalized kind of approach. You know to the Bible, um, and so that that is the place where actual skill is developed. Right, skill with the word is developed in such context because in order to build skill, right, there has to be a lot of riches of information. It has to be vast. It has to be big. It has to be way bigger than just the specific word that the preacher is saying. The Holy Ghost has to come and, and bring more evidences, more, you know, more of, you know, the, you know, scriptural material to the soul, to, to build that level of skill in the world and create, you know, a lot of, a lot of transformation. So I, I hope that, 
No, I've been able to explain a little bit about um, the main, the connection, the direct connection between skillfulness with the word and, and sanctification. We can never separate those things. Skillfulness with the word and, and on any level, you think about it, right? Let's let's look at the basic level. Let's say sanctification from what we call, let's say, works of the flesh, right? Which are manifest. You know, the Bible always starts from their fornication. They will name fornication, um, you know, adultery, all of those things, right? Now, you see, those works of the flesh, right? Even that that a, a baby Christian can be having those things as challenges, right? Um, but and there is a way that culturally those things can be suspended when a person believes that fornication is wrong, right? If a person believes that fornication is wrong, right? That and let me let me not just use the word fornication now because that fornication word can be you know uh, there. Are, yeah. <laughs> what the, the, the problem that fornication causes, um, there are many things that are not outrightly fornication that it has the same danger, right? But because it's, it's not fornication, we don't, we might not treat them as the same, um, the same, the same weight, right? The thing with fornication is, um, what all that falls in that, if, if, let me just quickly read that. Um, let's see. That's second. There's a door. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Praise God. I'm sorry if for anyone who maybe you feel I'm dwelling on this too much. You know, sometimes um, this might be for maybe one or two people or three people who this thing is really for the Holy Spirit works like that sometimes. And he just wants to, to emphasize something. So if you want to just give chance for that. Um that first um first Thessalonians 4, right? Um after he said, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, right? Then there is a colon in verse 4 that says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. In what sanctification and honor. So, although we say fornication, but that fornication, what they explain, the explanation of of the real danger is not possessing your vessel in sanctification and honor, right? Your vessel, right? Which, which when you talk of fornication, you're speaking about the outward man, your body, right? There's a way um, you, as a young person, right? Both young or old, it doesn't matter, but um, most of us are young here. So this thing about possessing your vessel in sanctification, right? it means there's a way that your, the vessel ought to be possessed. It means that in that vessel, right, there are um, things that God put in the vessel that are for specific function, right? And we know that clearly that anything that has to do with sex, 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 sexual, you know, sexuality, right, of a person when it comes to sex and then pleasure from sex, specifically pleasure from sex, right, which is what fornication is. Fornication is 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 pursuing sexual pleasure to its climax, right, 
outside its designed purpose or outside the designed context, which is marriage, right? God has designed sex for marriage, right? But not just sex, things that are sexually pleasurable, anything that is sexually pleasurable to a person, God has reserved them, right, for marriage. So a young person has to be able to possess their vessel in that sanctification where you're not, you know, using the body and opening those doors, right? In any shape, I'm just going to leave it at that. We all know, we know whatever it takes, you know, that is sexually pleasurable. What the Lord is saying is that those things should not be awakened and explored, right, for a young person until marriage. Right? They are designed for for marriage. Now, someone, a, a, a Christian can believe what I just said. Right? You can believe what I just said, that anything that has to do with sexual gratification, sexual pleasure, enjoyment is for marriage. Right? You can believe that, but and that believing can help you. Because if you believe something, you are inclined to try and act in line with what you believe. Right. But believing that is not enough to actually possess the vessel in sanctification, right? The truth is that there has to be some level of, there has to be a spiritual insight into what that vessel is for, the value of the vessel, who owns the vessel, right? What all of those things, when I say ownership of the vessel, first of all, God owning the vessel, Secondly, that vessel being prepared for whosoever you're going to get married to, which is your husband or your wife, that is their property. If you're going to go by the scriptural, what all the things Paul taught in the Bible, is that it doesn't belong to you. You are just keeping your body for somebody else. And you don't even know the person yet. You might not know the person. So it means that anything you are doing with that body, you are, you are defrauding somebody, you are taking someone's property, you are misusing someone's property, all of those things. So you see, all those are insights, right, which like need to come right the power to have that sanctification in this regard right really stems in more than just believing that that sanctification should be present but rather it's according to the degree of encounter of the word the word which will explain everything about that vessel explain about the why it needs to be sanctified why it needs to be kept, why everything about sex, what, first of all, what is sex, what is what is the, the vision of God, the goal of God, you know, and why is it being kept, you know, in the context of marriage. Those are things that uh, the Word of God can give an insight to. And while fellowshipping the, with the Word of God around this subject, right, there are also, all of those things can begin to, the conviction that it takes for that level of sanctification can begin to arise. So that's just an example of that fornication aspect. But that's but there are many other things. For example, let's say like Pastor Femi was giving the example of telling, um, you know, telling white lies, if you can use that word, right? It's, I think he mentioned telling white lies or exaggeration, things like that. Now, now a Christian can do that. A Christian can tell white lies. You know, you know there are lies of commission and there are lies of omission. Right. The the lies of omission is when I'm talking to you, you ask me a question. I know exactly what you are trying to 
the information you are you are looking for when you ask me that question. But maybe the way you phrase the question does not really mandate me to really tell you the information that I know you are looking for. Or rather, I just tell you a side, a little side to answer your question. But that last side I told you, you know that is misleading to me that asked that question. You know, because you want to ask something. So that, those are, that's a kind of, that's also lying. <laughs> But it's a kind of deeper line that your conscience has to be alive a certain way to stop you from doing that one. Right. So and now not everybody has that issue. Some people, they, are, they don't lie because just because their parents taught them well, raised from a good home. So that one is not necessarily a spiritual configuration, right? Not to lie. But when that one is broken down in some people, some people don't have that because in the atmosphere they grew up in, their parents were loose with the facts. They are used to being loose with the facts. They're not used to full disclosure or being vulnerable and all of that. So because of those things, someone can have that kind of weakness. Now, someone who has that kind of weakness, right, and when such a weakness is deep in the soul, is a nature in the soul, it's like a, it's a weakness. Um, just a person coming into a culture where people tell the truth, right, and, and they believe in that you should be truthful in all things. It's not enough to really travel into that depth where that tendency is coming from, to stop that kind of behavior, right? A lot of times to, for that kind of encounter, right? It's I mean, there was a, a whole season of my life. I remember, I forget what year this was. This might have been 20, um, uh, I, I forget. But this was after, I've been a Christian for a long time, but this was after I had encountered the word of righteousness. For a period of months, over a year plus, the Lord just started teaching me about authenticity. Like when, anytime I open the Bible, any, any, I open the Bible anywhere when I'm reading the Bible, even if it's sometimes it's things not directly connected, but somehow they find a way to, to you know that that um, the because that the message of authenticity, like like to teach someone to be authentic, for example, it's not very easy <laughs> because. Because someone who is not authentic, it's not that they are lying. It's not that they are, they are, you know, just coming out to blow a big lie or just, you know, or saying things that didn't happen. No, it's just that when they, what they say is correct, factually. But where where is it coming from? Why are they saying it? It can be to present an image that mm. is not really the exact image. It's not really the exact, that when you interact with that such a person, you have a conversation with them, you live with a picture. Well, the picture you left with is not the exact picture, and the and that person has a way is a skill is a is a is a is a is a is a, is a weakness is a sickness of the soul to be able to create an 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 impression that's not real. You know, and those things we get them. You know, it depends on some of us get, get those things from our parents, from our aunties or our uncles. That's the way they are. They have such natures and all that. We just pick those things. You get, and so of those things just. You know, do's and don'ts can't get there, right? And, you know, how many, like this one, I may not have this, in all my years of preaching to you guys, I may not have described what I'm describing, maybe in this particular way before. So does that mean that until I describe it in this way that the Lord wouldn't do it? No, that a lot has been taught around this for, for to create ample opportunity if you're someone who goes back to the world who reads the world, like the, like the Lord did with me, 
I, I didn't I never listened to a message on authenticity, but the Lord kept dealing with me on that because I was I kept reading my Bible. I kept reading my Bible. I kept reading the scripture, showing me, showing me different things through the Bible. You know why? As a, why the, 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 the principle of being, being an authentic person, not, not bringing forth a, forth a false image, not portraying things to be, you know, and something like that that might seem so ah, is almost non important, right? Those are the kind of things that they, they sound alarm in heaven. The sound, when you see a person who is like that, heaven will be hiding their things from them. They will be running away because they know this, they know, this person might not know that the sickness they have is a plague actually in the spirit. Right? And that's just one thing about, about the world is that the things that are the most grievous evils in God's sight are normal to men. <laughs> like they are just, they are actually almost holy. They are, they are not even visible. But the things that are not too important those are the things that men put em emphasis on and try to work on, to work on. Okay, that's why when it comes to sanctification, you need the word. The word, it, it, takes, it takes deep encounter. It takes a, a lot of being soaked in the, you know, in the, in the waters of the scripture, right? Meditation, right? Under, of course, the atmosphere, the guidance of the spirit, right? And uh, to, um, for the word, to, for that kind of encounters with the truth, right? Like to me, now, now I know that what was instructing me in that season was the spirit of truth. I, I couldn't have put it in those terms now, then, sorry. But now I know, because how do I know? Because it is is a spirit. It's almost like, and the way, the way I kept seeing, I kept seeing almost like seeing the nature of Jesus in the spirit. Right? That nature of Jesus, just seeing him in his in his in his authority authenticity, right, in his authenticity. When I read his conversations, I interacted with the disciples, interacting with the Jews, interacting with the Pharisees, his conversation, there's a way the Holy Spirit just began to show aspect of the person. But if you're just, just listening to a message alone, there are some depth of some things that you wouldn't be able to interact with richly at a level where it's powerful enough to shift difficult things within your nature. Right, it takes deep encounters with the world and deep encounters with the truth, right, to do such things. Um, amen. Okay. Um, any questions? Sorry, um, based on everything I've said so far. Um, um, it could be a question about what I've said, preferably. Okay. Edith Young. Edith Young, all right, please, go ahead. Good evening, sir. Good evening, how are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. Um, Just quickly. Yes. Um, so trying to relate what you've been saying now, most especially about how um sanctification process has to be ordained, that the right word, by the Holy Spirit. Um, and... I know, like, I mean, I've heard this from Pastor Femi during this life class, from you during life meeting, and there's a message that Pastor Ese preached earlier this yeah. year around suffering um, and how that could be 
not that could be that is that will be one of the ways that sanctification will be worked in us, especially that be um, dying to flesh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the examples that have been used, you know, things it could be like it's not always material things, but it could be the use of material things, for example, mm-hmm. lots of a job, you know, no, or yeah, or not being out of a job for a while. So. My question is just that, how can one now use everything you've said? Let's yeah. say they're going through a season of suffering. Um, I mean, <laughs> they're going through a, a season of, like I just described, no job for a long time. And then how do they differentiate that? Okay, this is just something that just happened. Or this is something that was ordained yes. by the Holy Spirit to work something in me. Um, yeah. Like I'll use myself, for example. Right, I've been out of a job for a long while, and it's not like it was something like, oh, this Holy Spirit woke me up in the night and told me to quit my job or something, or I was laid off. It's just yeah. something that happened naturally. The contract was ending, I was going back to school, so mm. it made sense to focus on school for the meantime. But now that like that season is over, and I've been searching for a job for a while, yeah. it's kind of it's been it's obvious that there's kind of something blocking me getting. Yeah something right like record based on talking with different people like i can see the problem is not from me or from my resume or my lack of experience Mm. i mean you can apply to things that you're overqualified for and you don't hear back or they're like sorry we can't take you know those kind of things like it's coming obviously blocking it so i'm not like okay this is season i mean that i'm supposed to be learning something things are supposed to be changing Mm. or is this just something in life life happened kind of situation and then <laughs> when <laughs> and then you how so how do you recognize that this is something where sanctification is supposed to happen mm. and then when you recognize that how do you allow yourself mm. to go through that process like pastor femi kept on emphasizing that you need to allow yourself you need to be ready like allow yourself to be taught to be led and stuff so for example now i don't I mean, I've, I've learned some things. Some things have things have changed in me. You know, ability to depend on God for provision, not to worry. You know, mm. ask for help. Things that I never would have done before or felt comfortable doing. But at mm. the same time, I feel like I've spent the whole time being frustrated and sometimes being angry. So it's like, okay, mm. this is supposed to cause sanctification in me. Am I losing out on things by yeah. being frustrated instead of? listening to the spirit and, you know, asking him, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to learn here? What's supposed yeah. to change here? What's supposed to die here? You know? So, yeah. I mean, the question is two parts. How do you recognize that like, something you're going through is supposed to cause scientific, some transformation in you? And then when you recognize that, how do you stay in that place where it can actually cause those changes in you without you losing out on what that season is supposed to do? Okay. So, I mean, for example, with scriptures, yeah. how do you go about finding scriptures to maybe find the answer? Mm. You know, things like that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for your question. Very, it's a very important question. Thank you. Um, I, I see Tiwa's hand. I don't know. Is this okay, Tiwa? Let's let's see. Um, let's hear your question. Yeah, it's a question. So if you wanted to answer it first, okay, it's not related, eh? No. Ah, okay, all right. 
Um, okay, so um, Edith Young. Um, okay. There are, I think there are different components um, that different aspects of um, our of understanding God's relationship with us, right? That um, comes into play at the same time that interact with each other, right? At the same time, um, in especially in such a season like this, where there there are points of you can call it almost like contradiction. It, it could be contradiction. You can see it as contradiction, like. Of the obvious things I you could see as almost contradictions, like God's will for you to um for you to be able to sustain yourself, right? To have your needs met and to have enough to, to give others. You know, all of those things they are they are things that you can based on your spiritual understanding, you know that these are also wills of God, right? And also God's will for you to be to be productive, right? Not to be lazy, right? Not to uh, be idle. Like all these things were dealt with in the New Testament. At some point, Paul began to blast idle people, right? Just And he was merciless about them, called them some of them busybodies, all kinds of things. Uh, so it's not like I, being idle and all of that is condoned. Or, or like not having a job is anything that has some kind of virtue in itself, right? Because you can clearly see from the scriptures, right? Even when it comes to just having money, having enough. The Bible speaks about that you might walk so that you will have enough to even give others who are in need, right? So that is clearly expressed in the Bible as the will of God. And then you also have the other side of things, which the Bible also um you know, emphasizes and which is can also be a, a component of God's will, right? That can be manifest in your life at a particular time, which is that of um abasing, right? Feelings, some necessity, like you call it suffering, which is correct, a kind of suffering, right? Which is also part of the path, right? That like these things, right, are um, they're not really contradictions because I mean, I don't want to go from right from the scratch, but I know you have enough understanding to know that um, the Bible gives room for someone to have seasons of both of those things, right? So, I'm, and, and I know your question is more about how do you, so it's not like you're questioning that, it's more like you're saying, how do I know um, what particular um, season this is? right at this particular time mm -hmm. so it's more of a thing of how do i know god's will for now something like that i believe that's what you're asking right uh -huh. yeah. so yeah so i think when you're trying to determine the will of god and either for this for any kind of situation that you're going through um the first thing you put on the table is you have to put on the table there are things some things that are absolute right and those absolute things are things that Never can never change. They are like they are pillars of I, I will call it pillars of existence 
they are true for you, right? They are true whether you are a Christian or you are not a Christian. And even if you are not a Christian, you can be living in disobedience to those things, but it doesn't make them untrue in terms of God's will, you understand, concerning you, right? And um, this thing about sanctification is falls into that category, Right, I mean, the Bible can't put it in any other way. It said, this is the will of God. Let's let's read it, um, just very quickly. Sorry, I will be done very soon. Let's first, there's a long yeah. Says for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, right? This is the will of God, even your sanctification. So, sanctification. And I said sanctification. You can call it growth. It's also growth, right? You can. It's like development, right? However you want to put it, that this is God's will. Now, what this means is that there's never, you will never have a point in your life, right, where no matter what is happening to you, whether you're enjoying, whether you're suffering, whether you have money or you don't have money, no matter what situation you are in life, there will never be a moment of your life where God's will for you at that point is not your sanctification. Do you understand what I mean? That there, there's no matter what phase you're in, in a phase of, of abundance, in a phase of necessity, and, and so those are the things that you always put on the ground. So it's in that sense, when it comes to sanctification, right, it's not either or. At God's will for you at every point is sanctification because God looks beyond the natural things, right? He's constantly concerned about your soul. So and, and based on that, you can then extend that idea to other things. Like if that's the truth, then that God will desire to rough sanctification at every point. That's a continuous work in your life, right? It means that um, God can then, if there are seasons where um, um, that, that it's possible that the Lord can remove other things that are, or that are not essential or make other things in your life relative to that program of sanctification. Right? So, when you say suffering, for example, suffering is not equal to sanctification, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's not the same, right? You you will suffer, hmm? but suffering is a kind of tool, right? When you are suffering, um, is a tool for sanctification, mm -hmm. right? But san sanctification itself is not suffering you get mm -hmm. um, but it just so happens that for you to be sanctified you must be suffering in some kind of way but it depends on your definition of suffering right it's very important right when for example if you don't have money you need money but somehow you don't have money and the lord is working in you in such a way that he doesn't want you to have money for that season right not having money is just is itself is not it's not purely the suffering you're suffering. You, most of the time, the suffering is something that has to do with something in your nature that they want to remove from you, mm -hmm. but that money might be tied to. 
you get and there are kinds of things that money can be tied to in someone's life. It could be that money can be tied to greed, right? Money can be tied to unbelief, right? For someone, it might not be that they are greedy, but it's just that they have unbelief when it comes to their needs, right? Money can be tied to unbelief. Money can be tied to vain glory, right? Those are sicknesses of the soul, right? Which sanctification should come to and deliver someone from, right? Money can be tied to idolatry. So these are just a few examples, right, of, you know, different things in the soul that money can be tied to. So, so when, if the Lord now says, okay, in this season of someone's life, I want to bring you to a season where you don't have access to money as enough on the world, right? But it's not just about, it's not that not having money produces sanctification, no. It's mm -hmm. that in that particular season, it's possible there's something about your nature that you not having money in that season is trying to affect you get so till the real suffering is the pain mm -hmm. of them removing that thing from you it's just that it might it might be money that they are using or resources you know on availability of resources at that particular season you get what i mean that they are using for that particular thing do you get so something that will help you to understand the will of god as you're growing as a christian is that the, the richer your concept of the absolute will of God, I mean, the, the, the unchangeable things about God's intentions, the more grasp you have, the more in touch you, in touch you have with those things, then the, the, the more, um, the, the better your ability, right, to actually be able to interpret the seasons of your life accurately. Right, and it's it's such that if a person doesn't Wait, can know, you, can you say that again? Yes, I said that the more grasp you have of God's absolute right, unchanging will for you as a person or for mankind, the more mm -hmm. grasp, the more grasp you have of that, the richer your the richer your understanding of that is, the the better you will be able to interpret the six seasons and circumstances of your life. Because as far as you are, once you are a Christian, every season of your life surrounds that thing, that absolute will of God concerning you. You just need to be able to see how does this season, what does it have to do with God's will for me, right? And when it comes to the will for you, you can look at it from different aspects of the Bible, but they're all speaking about the same thing, right? You can look at it from that aspect of your sanctification. This is the will of God, your sanctification, Right? That's First Thessalonians chapter four. It causes sanctification. You can look at it from um, Romans chapter eight if you want to go that way, right? Where he spoke about those who we foreknew and all of that, right? He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, right? Those who he predestined and he called, those he called, he justified, right? Justification is the product of sanctification, and then those who sanctified, he glorified. So at the end of the day, right? It's about how your soul will be changing, right, and being transformed and to make it spotless, to make it more like Christ, more like God. Removal of those tendencies, those natures on your inside, right, that are, you know, that that are not in alignment with the nature of God or, or what you call the image of the Son, 
you know, the richer you are in the scripture, you have different ways and uh, you can see, but it's all pointing to the same thing when it has to do with the absolute will of God. You understand what I mean? So when you, um, if you, you understand um, um, not just God's will, but then that's one, one side. No, God wants to make you pure. Okay. God wants to make you holy or like him. Okay. That's true. But what is really that image he wants to make you into? When he says, speak about to be conformed to the image of his son, what is what are the characteristics of that image of the son? That, that answer only comes and is progressive. It comes by progressive revelation. That means at every season of your life, you can only have an answer to that, to the, to the level of spiritual understanding you have at that particular time. What it, what it means is that when you're looking at your, your own, your life, your nature, your person, and you are trying to say, what are the faults or the things the Lord is trying to deal with in my own life at this season, right? The way you come about that answer is you always have to be comparing yourself to your the, the image of Christ and of the Son of God, which you have, which has been painted to you, right? As you are right now, Didion, there's, a, there's a particular level of understanding or a picture you have of what the image of the Son of God is. And it is not complete. It's not full, right? It's not the full thing, but there are aspects of it. And you know at least enough to a point where you can detect certain things in you that are not in alignment with that. You understand what I mean? So within the scope of that understanding, in that zone, that's where leading of the Spirit comes to you. Holy, leading of the spirit will, will not come outside that zone. The Holy Ghost will not try and be leading you around things that have to do with the throne of the eternal lamb or something like that. When you, you don't even know what that is. <laughs> like you don't even know, you know, you can't, if I say what's the properties of the eternal lamb of God, uh, based on what has been taught, you might raise some things, but when it comes to things you can see, you have that entered your heart as by revelation. There might not be too much, but there is a level at which you you are you seeing the Son of God. You'll be able to to have an insight into things about His nature that you need to come into. At that level, right in your life, that's where they begin to bring leading around, right. And if you focus on that, then you now begin to now look at your current season, right. What is happening in my life? Okay, um, maybe not having a job, all of those things, right? If you begin to pray prayerfully, begin to think think in those terms, right? It is possible, and I will stretch it, and I will say it is likely, right, that you can begin to see whether. There are dealings that this situation is bringing to you. And based on your question, you already pinpointed some of those things, right? And mm -hmm. that, uh -huh, that, wow, this situation is exposing some things, um, right? Um, you said, for example, it's, it gave you some opportunity to be more, I guess, more vulnerable, to be willing to ask for help. You know, some of those kind of mm -hmm. things, which are ornaments, <laughs> you get mm -hmm. uh -huh. someone who's growing and who is developing spiritually. 
You understand what I mean? So, um, to clearly to me, you are seeing some benefit, right, from being in this kind of situation spiritually. So, mm-hmm. um, so, so in that sense, in that sense, right, the Lord, you can see the Lord is using it somehow. Now, once you identify that, and this is my guidance to you, hmm? Once you are in a season, and it's not just my guidance, it's actually a scriptural principle. Once you are in a season of your life where something is a necessity, if a kind of suffering is not going well, but you're able to tie it to the absolute eternal program of God for your soul. And you can see that it's rotting out something, a kind of salvation somewhere. What you begin to do at that point, you take that point you begin to thank God for it. You begin to give thanks to the Lord. You begin to count it all joy. That's what that's the way James put it. Mm-hmm. The way Romans put it is is this glory in, in tribulations. Right? You you glory in, in tribulation. Those things are the things that you you stay on that point. Say, Lord, I thank you because you are rotting this in my life. You know, as a Christian, that's the default attitude of a Christian. What you are saying to the Lord is that it doesn't really matter. I am putting this change you are bringing to me above every other thing. It doesn't mean I have the full picture. For I can give you another a, a picture, for example. For example, God might be writing something in your life and is using the situation to deal with something. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be out of a job for him to deal with that thing. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? It's possible that the Lord could find a way to deal with that while you're still working. But it doesn't stop him from using you not being in a job to deal with that thing. You get? So, but if you if you stay in that realm of if and if not, that's not where the focus is. The focus always must be on the priority. The priority is the salvation of your soul. As long as you notice that the will of God is being done here, the Lord is challenging my soul. He's changing me. He's stretching me. Is bringing forth some kind of sanctification. There's something healthy about my own soul that is being wrought out of this. That's the point. Now, if you're not doing that, that's the only thing that's left is resentment. Hmm. You get. Like, if you're going through a difficult thing, you're not thankful. You'll be resentful. There's no in-between, right? Hmm. There's no in-between. If you're suffering, doing a kind of, you're going through a kind of suffering necessity, and you're not able to see God at work somewhere in your life and give thanks for it, count it all joy, right? So we count it all joy when we go to diverse trials, diverse temptation, right? And all of that. Um, what tribulation worketh patience and all of that. And he said that for uh, let patience have his perfect work. And uh, as we James put it, yeah. So um when you're able to count it joy. It, that's what changes the atmosphere. It changes the mood around you. And you, you have to be able to do that. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of the basic principles of Christian life. While you're going through difficult things, you know, you thank the Lord for them. You, Bible says in, ev- in all things you give thanks, for this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus, right? Um, if you, you, are, you think through your present climate, so if your present climate is resentment and bitterness, You'll be thinking through that. That's that will be the fog around your mind, right? And it's actually difficult for the Lord to bring clarity to you when you are 
bitter, resentful. But when you begin to thank the Lord, you change it and count it all joy, right? And you change the the atmosphere. That at that time, the Lord will now most of the time He will begin to speak to you in more specific terms. All of a sudden, things will just become clear to you. You know, how the Lord is dealing with me in this area. The Lord is showing me this, but, but, is there a way the Lord wants me to go about this job search, or is there a way for those ones are very, very subjective, and that will depend on now your own inward witness, right? In terms of how the Lord is leading you, leading of the Spirit, right? More of interpretation of that season, in terms of specific, will begin to come. But it has to be on the right foundation, which is the foundation of, first of all, understanding of God's absolute will concerning you in terms of your salvation. How is what's happening to you? Is it rotting that salvation? If it is, you must begin to give thanks to it, for to God for it. Now, you understand what I mean? Now, I don't want to go into the other side of maybe you're going through something difficult, but you can't, you don't feel like it's rotting anything. You don't feel like anything good is coming out of it. You just feel like it's very bad, which can also happen. But I feel that that's not your case here. So because of time, um, I won't go into that. But I don't know if um, I will be able to answer you at all. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yes, you touched some, some like mindset I need to change. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. All right, thank you. I mean, there's more we could talk about, but time is gone. I don't want to um, push us beyond um, the time. Um, so we will um, next week. I think we will. Um, um, let's see. Let's see. Does anyone have a question? Maybe that uh, you would like to to ask. Um. Okay, so so let's leave. Okay, Tiwa still has our own, but Tiwa, is it, is it possible to leave yours for next week? Do you think? Yes, yeah, sir. Of time, yeah. Yes, yeah. sir. All right, all right. Let's leave it for for next week. Okay. All right. Thank you, um, Father. We thank you um this evening. Thanks for um um helping us to have a bit more conversation about your sanctification, which is your will for us. Um, Lord, I pray that um, you will just bring more insight, more clarity, more um, emphasis, Lord, of the key elements of this um, sub subject to our hearts. I pray that you will help us to, to carry the conversation in a more personal, more specific way, oh God, that let every every heart, every one of us feel, Lord, uh, feel about this the way you feel about it, so that we will subscribe to this way, we will, we will willing to engage, Lord, even the work um, that behind the scenes, the work, Lord, that we need to engage in by your spirit, oh God, that will be to become, Lord, um, beneficiaries, to become those who bear the fruit, oh God, of this sanctification. Thank you, I pray. And let your spirit also continue this ministry and bring light, Lord, to our hearts, Lord, in our individual place of study, of fellowship, of communion, Lord, I pray. Interpret, Lord, what it means, Lord, to be sanctified, to possess our vessel, Lord, in sanctification and honor. Thank you, our Father. We give you all the glory and bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.